Welcome to Him We Proclaim, a podcast devoted to the preaching ministry of the Mount Church. Know that the following sermon is specifically intended to build up our local church in Clemson, South Carolina. Feel free to listen along and distribute what you hear, while prioritizing what we pray is the faithful preaching ministry of the healthy local church to which you meaningfully belong. With that, all grace to you as you listen to this episode of Him We Proclaim. Uh, before I get into my sermon this morning, I just want to mention a little bit about your pastor. I love him. I've been knowing him since he was a young, young fella. I met him like 20 years ago when he, he had a full head of hair, and he was, he was actually a good-looking guy, you know. It's before he met his wife. He was, he was what we would call a, a stud, you know. He, him and his buddy, they'd go around flexing their muscles, stuff like that, you know. And, um, you know, he was, he was a... You're, you know, you're good-looking college guy, and then he met his beautiful wife, and smitten by her, and still beautiful, and um, and still smitten by her, and uh, and so they went off to Louisville. I remember uh, meeting her just a quick time as we passed through life together, me and him, and another brother that he used to hang out with, and we had uh, fellowship, and I knew he was in Louisville. God did a tremendous work. Then I got to see him before he left to go to Boston. And, um, you know, Boston is like a, another country, to be honest with you. And uh, and so when he went up there, he, you know, he uh, went up there faithfully, him and a couple of other brothers and their wives, and serve. And, you know, Boston is a rough place to be honest with you. It's uh, probably one of the most godless places in the U.S. And, um, but God's doing a work there. He's raising up churches one by one. And uh, God did a work through them there. And uh, they uh, served well. I used to keep in touch with him and pray for him from time to time. He would come back to the church where I pastor and give us a report on that. And then, and then he came back here. And he moved here and uh, it's been here, I, I guess, a few years now. And, uh, you know, one thing that I love about Brian is Brian is committed. He is serious about Christ. He's always been ever since I've known him. And um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a man of the word and a man of prayer. Uh, he loves his family. He loves his church. He's, he's doing his ideal job, which is being a pastor. That's where his heart's at. And so I, I commend him to you uh, just as a dear brother. His precious wife, she too has suffered in a ministry in a third world country called Boston. And, uh, you know, and uh, she's, uh, she, uh, she has suffered. I remember many times I talked to him, she would be sick or he would be sick or somebody would be sick up there because it's so cold and other things. And, the truth of the matter is, you know, they, they really suffered uh, to do the Lord's work there. And, uh, and so I commend her. She is worthy of honor also and uh, for her faithfulness to love her family, to love her husband, to love the church. She loves the church. And so we're thankful for that. You know, um, when you think about hospitality, their family, you know, they, they reach out to people through hospitality. A lot of pastors and wives don't do that. They have their, you know, their little boundary around their house, and they don't want anybody to come, you know. Uh, it's, it's like that with a lot of pastors and their wives. It's, uh, you know, it's peaceful to them like that. 
uh, but Brian and Jenny, they, their door is always open. They're always open to, to loving on people, and um, and it just you just see it in their life. You see it in their family, and so I commend y'all for that. Thank the Lord for that. You are a blessing to this church, brother. So thank you for that. And so uh, I'm just honored to be here, and um, I'm not supposed to be here. You know, my heart doctor, he smiles at me. He, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, he showed me on the EKG from Uganda. He says, see right here? This is where you were supposed to die. Right here. But I don't know what happened. You're still here. And, um, you know, and so when you have this, you know, you all of a sudden, you last yesterday, I had got called back to my church at Mount Moriah my pastor who led me to Christ 30 years ago and discipled me, he is a pastor in Greer. I was his associate pastor for about eight years. He had a young guy there from North Greenville, and he um, was a wonderful man of God. Got married. My pastor married him. Uh, I became pastor at Mount Moriah. Some years later, he moved down the street from me, so he joined him and his wife and kids, joined with us at Mount Moriah. And he was just a lovely brother, loved the Lord, faithful man, 43 years old last Saturday, went to be with the Lord at 4.30 in the morning, laying next to his wife, had a massive heart attack. Uh, never had any problems before, but the Lord called him home. Yesterday, I'm going to tell you, I probably I told somebody, I said, I'd have to pay some people to come. We had the whole church full, probably had 300 people there said, I'd have to pay people to come here and fill up this church like this if I died. I said, the truth of the matter is, I said, this brother was a servant of God. You know, you say that about a lot of people, and you're nice to people when they die and whatever. This guy was a servant of God. He had people that had knew him his whole life at all three churches he'd been at came to, to just support the family glorify God for his life. We had four preachers get up and we were done in an hour and 15 minutes. Can you believe that, brother? I was in shock. But anyway, but the Lord, the Lord was so honored in this man's life, you know. And so uh, saying that, you know, I, I went home that day and I looked at my wife and I said, you know, that was supposed to be me two years ago. But the Lord left me here. And so what I try to do is I just try to go around encouraging local churches to be on mission for Christ and to help them and encourage them. And so a lot of my work now is still done in Uganda, Baruni, uh, but the Lord has given me a worldwide ministry through some partnerships. And so I've really been encouraged uh, seeing what God's doing. Like just, just yesterday, I get an email from a brother who's, uh, met a brother from Nepal and this guy says that the church in Nepal is just growing and leaps and bounds and it's illegal to have a you know outside church like this so it's all underground they meet in houses all over the place he said they got a pastor's network we want you to come and teach the pastors and so God is just opening doors for me literally all around the world to go and teach pastors and so the Lord's work is being done uh, worldwide. And that's what the theme is about this morning. It's about missions. And the real issue, I believe, in missions is love. Who do you love? 
Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will obey me. Jesus was asked by a Pharisee, what is the great commandment? And he said, this is the great commandment in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so we see that the great commandment is to love God. The second is to love others. And this is the fuel for missions. The great Hudson Taylor, he said every morning he got up. He's in China. He gets up. They said they would see him at 4.30 in the morning, and he'd have his lighter on. He would be lighting a lamp. And he'd have the scriptures out at 4.30 in the morning, and he'd be reading getting filled with God's Word. Here's a man who had been in the Word years and years, decades in the Word, but here he is every morning being filled with the Spirit as he dwells in the Word of God. Friends, that's the love that God wants us to have for him. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit of Christ, and the way we're doing that is by letting the Word of God richly dwell in us. Notice in our text this morning, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is a repeat of Deuteronomy 6, uh, but Deuteronomy 10, uh, uh, Moses writes, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You know, that's why I was so excited when I heard these young people up here sharing about their work, the ministry work they were doing that God's doing through them. You know, I don't know about you, but, but I get fired up when I'm around young people who are sold out to Christ. You know why? They got this little thing called energy. <laughs> I don't have any more of that. I used to when I was younger, but I don't have any more of that. I mean, I got to push through things. But those, those young people, man, they get up in the morning. They loving Jesus. They go all day. They, I have one young guy I'm discipling. He's 21 years old. He told me, he said, yeah, he's a, what they call an RA at North Greenville. And so he's got like 36 young men that he oversees. He says, yeah, he said, I was talking to this one guy. He's lost. He said, but I stayed up till like 2.30 in the morning sharing the gospel with him. Isn't that cool? I go, oh, that's so cool. I'm thinking I'd have been so tired, <laughs> you know. But him, him, and he was up at 6.30 in the morning eating breakfast, praying with his brothers and moving on to his classes, you know. Uh, Brother Johnny's not going to do that anymore. Them days are over. Young people, they got energy. If they're on fire for the Lord, God uses them because they love the Lord. And you see, this is a thing. A lot of times you hear people say, well, Christianity is not really a thinking religion. They don't know Christianity. Let me tell you something. It is a thinking religion. You have to study theology. You have to study practical theology. You have to study how those two come together. If you're gonna if you're gonna walk and live a Christian life, you have to. There's no shortcut around it. Listen, you cannot be spiritual and not be reading your Bible. It just ain't possible. 
Now, you might live off, if you've been a pastor like me for been in ministry 28 years, you might live off of some of your old stuff, but let me tell you something. You're not going to be filled with the Spirit of Christ if you're not in the Word every day. You see, God intended us to go to the Word every day because it's like a meal. You know, you can't eat enough for one day to last you the whole week. You got to go every day, man. You got and listen, a lot of people they say, Well, I listen to Pastor Brian. Oh, I listen to his sermons. I listen to his podcast. Oh, he's so awesome. Man, I'm learning so much stuff. And that's true. But let me ask you something. Do you want Brian to bring you down to the buffet down here? And you know, you get down there to the buffet and you, you know, Brian helps you load up the food and you load up, he loads up his food. Then he gets to the table with you and he says, oh, brother, don't worry about chewing that. I'll chew that for you. So he just takes a scoop, scoops it in his mouth, chews it up, puts it back in your plate, says, go ahead and eat that, brother. You're going to go, ah, I'm not eating that. Well, that's the same thing with the word of God. Brian has his place, which is to disciple you teach you, equip you so that you can go out and do the ministry but Brian can't read the Bible for you. Brian can't pray for you. Brian can't walk with you every, you know, every step that you take and help you make right decisions. He can't do that for all the folks in church. And so my point to you is this, God wants you to experience that love that he has for you and this what's so cool is when you're reading the Bible and God speaks to you and you know it's you, there's a joy you have. There's a love you have for God because why? Listen, the other day I'm riding down the road, going through some trials and tribulation in my life, and um, I'm on 89.3. Not every song on there is right. Most of it is not even theologically right. But God uses it to speak to you. You know, I'm riding along, you know, and I'm about in tears. And, 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 the, and the singer is singing, saying, God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He knows where you're at. He knows, the, he knows where you're at. Man, I was praising God. It's the same way as we open the word of God, as we hear the word of God, as we love the word of God. God puts a love in our heart. He lets us know he loves us. And then what do we do? We respond out of joy back to him. We love the Lord. You see, we get emotional about it. I worry about these people that sing these hymns like today. You know, they, Almighty God, all healer, all lover, all divine. And they don't move. They're dead. You know, they're just standing there dead. You're going, what is wrong with you, brother? What's wrong with you, sister? Jesus wants your heart. Now, look, I don't want you to be like John Piper, you know, be all panting and going crazy during worship and all of that, you know. John Piper likes to be so emotional. You know, in Uganda, they like to do that. Me and my little boy, Joe, I remember he was two and a half years old, and it, we, we had the drums. They're not here. They're in the back back there, but we had the drums. They start playing the drums. Me and Jojo go to dancing, you know. And that's okay. It's not really based upon the word of God we're listening to some songs some of them I don't even know what they're saying they're speaking in their own language but we're dancing having a good time Jojo wanted to dance I'm dancing with Jojo and, uh, and, but this is the thing they do the service the preaching in English and then they translate 
And so what happens is, as we hear the word of God, we respond, our heart is emotional. Listen, if you don't shed a tear about something about Jesus, I, I feel like you, you're not really loving him like you should. I don't know about you, but man, I, when I come to truth, like what we had in prayer meeting this morning, when I come to hear the words sang, when I hear these testimonies, when I hear the preaching of God, my heart is filled with a love for God. And that's the fuel for missions. You want to get on fire for missions? Get on fire for Christ. You love him. You love the word. You, you're studying intellectually. You're studying God's word. Emotionally, you're responding to the truth you're learning. Your soul is being filled with the love of Christ. You see, that's what God has for us. That's what God wants for you. And out of that love for God comes this fuel for missions that we want to see Christ glorified around the world. We want to see his name famous around the world. You know, when I went to Uganda, man, I'm going to tell you, we, were, we had planted a church in Ginger, and it was in the slums. It used to be a garbage dump, but they turned it into a community. And um, a lot of these people are the Karamajo people. Up north, the Karamajo don't wear clothes. <laughs> Praise the Lord, in Ginger, they learned how to wear clothes when I got there. And, uh, and so things were, you know, it was just a dump. I remember the, the, the church building was about the size of the first four rows here. We had like 60 people in it, and they had a hole going right through the middle. And when it rained, it came right through the pulpit. So I'm standing like this, preaching, with a drain just running right through my legs, you know. And, uh, but God was saving people. I mean, people were coming to Christ. The pastors were discipling. We had our first baptism. 28 people got saved there over the first six months we were there. And it was just amazing what God was doing. But I didn't know that Ugandan people don't like to go underwater. They, they don't have showers, so they never get like water on their head and, um, or on their face. Most of them, probably 90% of them plus, don't swim. So they've never been like under the water swimming. So I'm, I'm standing right outside. We had to dig a hole in the middle of the community, and we put a liner in it. Not a good idea. Didn't work very well. It was muddy by the third, fourth person. It was just muddy water. But all those people were getting in there, getting baptized. So we had two pastors in there, one pastor helping them out. My job was to help them out this way. And they're all shaking. And I said, what is wrong with these people? I mean, they're, they're shaking. They got tears rolling down their face. They're shaking. And so this sister comes down, and this brother baptizes her. She comes out. I grab her hand. She's coming up. I mean, she's in tears. Next one, same thing. Finally, I just had to ask someone. I said, what, what is wrong with these people? I said, why, why are they crying and shaking like, like they're scared? They said, Pastor, you understand. They have never been underwater. This is the first time them going under the water. They're afraid they're going to drown. That's why all of them, when they go under the water, they're coming up, they're grabbing for you. I had one sister almost pull me face first into a pool I was helping. I bought a pool after this, by the way. After that muddy event, I said, oh, I'm not going to buy a pool, bring it around, baptize people with clean water. Uh, but 
We had over 500 people. A lot of these women were Muslims who had came to Christ, and their families were out there watching them get baptized. Man, tears was just rolling down my face. Somebody said, they said, Pastor, you, what you thinking? I said, this is what I came to Uganda for, to see lives change, to have healthy churches. And so, you know, this is what God does when you, when you love the Lord and you, you make yourself available. You may be thinking, well, Pastor, you, you were a pastor a long time. Listen, you ever heard me preach before now? You know it's not impressive, okay? Uh, I have never been an impressive preacher, but I never strive for that. I strive to be a biblical preacher. I try to be faithful to the text, but my goal was to love my people. So if you go over to Mount Moriah today, they would say, you ask them, hey, was Brother Johnny a great preacher? Uh, not really. He was okay. Uh, was he, uh, you know, good at this or that or whatever? Eh, not really. Say, did he love you? Oh, Brother Johnny loved me. You know why? Because the Lord loved me and gave me the great calling to preach the gospel and to love people. And so that's what I strive for, and that's what I try to train these pastors in Uganda is to love their people by bringing them God's word, by walking with them, by being there for them, by encouraging them, by being on mission together. But it all starts with our relationship with Christ. If we love the Lord, if we love God the way we're supposed to, we're not going to help it. We're going to have to talk about it. We talk about what we love. Now, listen, I love Clemson football. By the way, I grew up in New Orleans. I was an LSU fan. I moved over here to Easley, and my daughter went to Clemson. I went to a Clemson game after that. I threw away my LSU stuff, and I got Clemson stuff. Now, I got a lot of Gamecock fans in my church, and we, you know, I tell them they can get to heaven like that, but they've taken a chance. Uh, but anyway, I'm just joking. I love my Gamecocks. I'm not a real Clemson fan, to be honest with you, because I pull for the Gamecocks when they're not playing Clemson. So both the Gamecocks and the Clemson fans tell me, you're not a real Clemson fan. So anyway, I love Clemson, but you know what? I talk about Clemson. I talk about the weather. I talk about something, but rest assured, I'm getting around to Christ. Why? Because he's my life. He's my hope. He's my joy. He's my love. You talk about what you love. You get a hold of a grandparent. You say, hey, man, you got any grandchildren? They whoop that phone out. What do they do? Yeah, I got a few. See, they talk about what they love. Do you love Jesus? If you don't love Jesus like you should, you're not on mission for Christ, start there. Just commence yourself to reading God's Word, to loving God's Word, to, to just loving the Lord. And I promise you, if you'll do that, God's going to stir your heart for missions. The second part, he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the second part of fuel for missions is the love for mankind. Listen, mankind is sinful. I've traveled the world. I preached in Russia. I preached in Romania. I preached in Hungary. I preached in Africa, different places. I preached in South America in numerous places. I, Trinidad, Tobago. I, I literally have been all over the world preaching the gospel. And you know what's funny? Everywhere as I go, everybody's got the same problem I got. They're sinners. 
and they need Christ. I remember in Russia, right before I got arrested and ran out of town, we had 10 young people come to Christ. We've been preaching to them all week, and they, they got saved that morning, and that afternoon we got arrested, and we got run out of town the next day. But the pastor, he was from Ukraine. He was able to stay behind, but he had to leave that town. He would just kind of dip in, check on them, do some discipleship, and get out of town before they saw him. He told us, he said, you know, these young people, they have committed their lives, and they're bringing the gospel to people in this, in this school. Friends, when you have other people, you love them, and you're investing in them, and you're serving them, and you're giving them the love of Christ that God has given you, you're going to be on mission with them. You're going to realize that, hey, if I don't tell this person about Christ, they're going to die and go to hell. Yeah, yesterday was a great day at church. It's like his wife said, Richard's wife Kelly said, last Saturday was Richard's best day and my worst day. <laughs> you know, but we celebrated his life. But what about the person that dies without Christ? Where do they go? You know, we have people in Africa, and we got people on these islands, and we got people here, and we got people there who are dying without Christ. And people will say, well, they got another way. No, they don't have another way. They have one way to, Christ, to heaven, and that's through Christ. And if they never hear of Christ, they don't have a plan B. God doesn't have a plan B. Even in all Christian circles, we have a lot of people that believe in annihilation. You know, that's where you cease to exist and makes it a little bit better. You know, if they don't hear about Christ, well, they'll just cease to exist. No, they're going to a devil's hell. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. The people in Uganda who have been saved by God's grace, have we not started a church there by God's grace and God's means led us there? They would, they would perish. And they are dying every day in Uganda. The average age there that you see is like, it's like 21, 22 for the whole nation. Because why? Because nobody grows old. Because people die. Listen, your neighbors, your family, your friends, the people you love right here, they're dying without Christ. And they need us to pray for them. They need us to love them enough to tell them the truth. Now listen, you, you're not going to win anybody to Christ. I'm not railing on any particular folks that do this. But you're not going to win people to Christ standing on the corner yelling at somebody at a red light. Okay? Downtown, I go down to down, downtown Greenwood. Somebody's yelling at me because I don't use a King James Bible. I'm going to hell. Listen, that, that's not going to win anybody to Christ. Okay? You know what wins somebody to Christ is when you care for them. I'm preaching at Miracle Hill Rehab the other night, Monday night. And I said this to him. I said, I know where you've been. Because in my 20s, I was an alcoholic, but I was a functioning alcoholic. I was a store manager. You couldn't even tell I was alcoholic. But I drank every day, and I struggled. I'd go to church on Sundays, even taught Sunday school, but I drank every day. But at the age of 30, the Lord came and saved me. And you know what? I got a new wine. I've never gone back to the old wine. Now, I'm not against anybody. You want to drink a glass of wine at your meal, that's between you and the Lord. 
I don't do that. But I will tell you this, I don't need to. Because Jesus has fulfilled and took away all of that from me. And I'm looking out at this man, 75 men, and I look him in the eye and I said, and he can do the same for you. Tears rolling down their face. I said, if you will submit to the Lordship of Christ, get in God's Word and obey Him, He will set you free from any addiction, anything that has, has troubled you. But I want you to know something. We love you. And when you hit the seven-month mark and you're able to go to church, we want to come get you. We want to help you. We want to help you find a job. We want to help you find a place to live. We want to help you get your family back together. We want you to have hope because we love you. People lined up after said, please give me your phone number. When I hit the seven month, I'm going to call you so you can bring me to church because you can help me. You see, friends, for maybe the first time in their life, they had some hope. This is what love does. Love goes to extra distance. Love goes to extra mile because why? Because that's what God called us to do. He called us to love others. And we do that by praying for them, but we also do that by helping them. We, we, we arrange our finances, we arrange our resources to be at disposable for the king and kingdom work. That's what God's calling you and me to. He did this in the Great Commission. You know, everybody talks about the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Acts 1, 8. Jesus said, go therefore, well, he says, first off, he said, I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. has been given to me. I'm the king. You go as my subjects. You go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You know, God has called you and me to make disciples. Now, listen, a lot of people don't get this. A lot of churches don't get this. No offense, Brian cannot make a disciple from the pulpit. It's part of it, but it's insufficient. You see, you need other teachers in your life, the church. You need other people praying for you and loving on you and encouraging you. You need to be in a small group where you can learn to be honest with each other and to love each other and to encourage each other. And then you need, you need your pastors, your leaders, other who are godly men and women to speak into your life. You see, that's discipleship the way Jesus did. There, and it's a teaching ministry, but it's, it's the whole church is involved. Friends, I want you to know something. God didn't call us to make decisions. A lot of times we base everything upon, you know, is a church healthy? Do they, you know, have they had a lot of people profess Christ? Is their baptisms up? Is the money up in the plate? This is the mark of a healthy church. That's not the mark of a healthy church. Man, those are some things that are good, but that's not the mark of a healthy church. A mark of a healthy church is... Are you making disciples? Are people growing more Christ-like? Are you raising up men and women to go on the kingdom work around the world? It's not about growing the Mount Church. It's about growing the kingdom of Christ. 
And you know what? You send your best to the mission field. Don't send your worst. Oh, man, I'd like to get rid of that guy. I'm going to send him to the mission field. Amen? No, no, no. You send your best, your brightest, the ones who love Jesus and love others. I had a missionary the other day tell me, uh, I have a private ministry called Partner 1015, and he thought that was a sending ministry, and really it's assisting ministry with the local church. But the brother came to me, he said, hey, he said, I want you to send me over to this country in Europe, and uh, I want to go as one of your missionaries. I said, well, brother, we don't do that. We just assist the local church. Where are you going to church at? Oh, I'm not going to local church. I said, brother, Who's going to validate you're worthy to go to the mission field if you don't have a local church? What kind, where are you doing ministry? I'm not doing no ministry right now. So you want people to support you financially and send you to the mission field to do ministry when you're not even doing ministry right here. And you're not even going to church. I said, brother, that is wrong. You've got to go to church. The leadership of the church decides whether or not God has called you. You say, Brother Johnny, that's a little different. Well, listen, this is the problem. I, I can say anytime I want, hey, God called me to Uganda. I just hop up and go. Be an independent guy. Be a lone ranger. Go around and create chaos in, in Uganda. I mean, the truth of the matter, there are a lot of people doing that stuff. But then they go around to churches like this and they sound really good and really nice and really kind and people give them a little money, but they're not doing God's work. You know what I'm looking for when a missionary comes to me? I say, tell me about your local church. Tell me about the ministry you did there. Well, I'm listening to hear, was they doing ministry at the local body? Then I call their pastors and I say, hey, listen, tell me about this guy. Tell me about this lady. Tell me about their work. Tell me about what God's doing in their lives. And if the leadership can validate for me what God's doing, then I'm encouraged and I come alongside that local church and I help them send them and I help take care of them on the mission field. I partner with the local church underneath their leadership because the local church is what? It's the manifold display of God's glory. It is the church. It's not the IMB that sends people to the mission field. It's the local church. Sometimes they think they are, but they're not. They're wrong. <laughs> it's the local church. All these other global outreach, all these independent people, they call themselves sending agencies, but the real sending agency is the local church. The leadership works hand-in-hand hand with the missionary to make sure that they're equipped, they're power, they're blessed by God, they've been gifted, they're going to serve in their giftedness. That's the local leadership's job. And then the local leadership brings them to the church, and the church stands with them and encourages them and cheers for them and sends them. That's how it's supposed to be done. See, that's what God called us to. But let me ask you something. How are you going to make a disciple in Uganda when you ain't made one here? Did you hear me? How are you going to make a disciple in Uganda and you hadn't made one here? How are you going to pastor pastors in Uganda if you never pastor a pastor here or never been a pastor? I mean, I got missionaries all the time telling me, I want to go, I just got out of seminary, I want to go and train pastors in a foreign country. 
How are you going to train a pastor to be something you ain't? I'm not trying to be ugly, but the seminary doesn't make you a pastor. Ask George, he'll tell you. They teach you how to preach. You know who you know who trains George to be a pastor? You and your leadership here. Because the seminary teaches him how to preach, how to run a Southern Baptist church, how to do a few other things, but he doesn't teach him how to be a pastor. The church, underneath the leadership of the Holy Spirit and its leaders there, teaches George how to be a pastor. You see, friends, that's how God intended it. And he intended us to make disciples. So, like, let me give you an example. I'm in Uganda. They have these boulders. They like a, a glorified moped, you know, thousands and thousands of them all over the place. So I got where I kept getting harassed by the police for a bribe when I drove my van. Finally, I gave up on it. After about two years, I, I gave my van to one of my workers. He brought it up north, made it a taxi. I started riding the boat. And then when I needed uh, my family to, like, go into Kapala, I, would, I had a sister at the church that uh, was a widow, and she was a driver. we just hire her, pay her. She was very happy. I rode on a boat of most everywhere as I went. You know what's interesting? I'm riding on a boat, and the chairman of the boat spoke English. My son-in-law told me, he said, this guy speaks English. You're going to like him because most, most of them don't speak English. And so we're riding along, and I said, Richard, that's your name, right? Yeah, Richard. Yeah, that's my name. I said, uh, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I said, what kind of Christian are you? Because you have to ask these questions. I'm a born-again Christian. I said, well, that's good. You're a born-again Christian. What kind of born-again Christian are you? I'm an Anglican. I said, oh, good, good, good. I said, hey, I guess you read your Bible, huh? Quiet. He said, I, I don't own the Bible. I said, well, Richard, why don't we do this? Why don't you come by my house when you get off, and I have a beautiful Bible for you, and I have a nice case for you to have it in, and uh, maybe we could start reading the Bible together. So he comes by at 5.30 when he gets off. We sit down. He's, he's about 23 years old. And we start reading the Gospel of John together. You know, that's what discipleship is. It's that simple. You just open the Bible with whoever you're sitting across, and you start reading the Bible with them. So we start reading through John. I'm telling him who Jesus is. I share with him Nicodemus in John chapter 3. After about a month, he comes to me. He says, hi. He said, Pastor, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. He said, I think I got saved. I think I'm born again. I said, what makes you think that? He said, my wife told me. <laughs> I said, your wife told you you got saved? He said, yeah, something's happened to you. You used to gamble and drink and do all this stuff, and now you don't gamble, you don't drink, you're reading your Bible, you love me, you love the kids. Something has happened to you. I think you've become a Christian. Well, a few weeks later, he leads her to Christ. They get married. They were not married, been living in sin. They get married, which is a big deal in Uganda. Can't tell you the whole story, but anyway, winds up, we get to marry them. Right before they get married, they get baptized. And so this guy is like a big sponge. He's just eating up the Word of God. And so in God's providence, he comes to work with me at the children's home which we only need him for a little bit, so I'm discipling him for four or five hours a day for months. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in there showing him things from the Bible. I got him reading books. He's learning. He's growing. 
And after a little bit of time, maybe six months, seven months, you know, we had uh, started this church. He became our translator for preaching. And after about a year and a half, he went off to Bible college. And Sunday, after almost three years now, he is now officially a pastor at the church I planted in Wales. And, and God is doing such amazing work in this young man's life. You see, and it all started with just reading the Bible together. Friends, I know it sounds so simple, but it works. And guess what? It works here, too. I used to be, when I was a pastor, I used to go out to apartment complex, and the maintenance there, man at Heritage Trace, he hated my guts. I never gave the guy nothing, but he hated me because he had a bad experience with a pastor. And so he got me kicked off the property. <laughs> and so one day, I was friends with the manager. They had a fire out there, and they had 10 rooms get burned up at the apartment complex. So we went out there. I mean, I worked like a dog, helped them. We gathered up stuff from all the sister churches. We gave, oh, put it in our building, gave it away free to everybody that was there, and just really labor. And he, he talked to one of our church members who had moved into that apartment. He said, I see your pastor out here working like a dog. Why is he doing that? She said, because he loves Jesus and he loves people. I said, well, I want to meet him. So this guy, you know, he was probably, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe three, four, five years older than me. And uh, so I come over to meet him, and we start talking, and he says, you know, I, I never did like you. I don't like pastors. This one pastor did me wrong when I was a kid, and I haven't been to church since, and I said, well, Norm, do you have a Bible? No, I don't have a Bible. I've never read it. I said, well, look, let's read the Bible together. So I gave him the Bible, and we started reading through the Gospel of John. About three months later, he uh, came to Christ, and uh, maybe another six months later, he got baptized and uh, got married and got married in the church. His life radically changed. Friends, it's that easy. You say, Brother Johnny, it can't be. It don't have to be fancy. All you got to do is open your Bible and read with the person. If you've been in Sunday school for any length of time, you're going to know more about the Bible than that person. You read a little bit ahead, you, you read a commentary, and you explain it to them what the gospel is. And God will use that to help people's lives. But you know what else I learned? Folks like your pastor, when he was 20-something years old, and he had a fire for Christ, like some of those young people that were up here sharing their testimony. You need to invest in them too. You know why? With a little investment in their lives, they can move up to the next level where they're discipling many people. And so you, got, you just you got to find somebody you got to read the Bible with, and you got to find somebody who's really growing in the Lord and learning in the Lord and pour into their lives so that they can become a discipler. That's how Jesus intended. That's why he said, hey, as you are going, participle one, as you are going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, implication being that they come to know and love the Lord Jesus and they are baptized as a believer and then, then you teach them all things. And we know that the Holy Spirit has written the whole Bible. So he wants the whole Bible to be taught to them properly. And so we, we teach them what God has said. And then, just in closing, 
In Acts 1.8, Jesus said to the disciples, when you receive power, you'll be witnesses for me. We all know that verse. It's, a mission, it's the mission verse besides Matthew. But you're going to be a, a witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Let me ask you something. What is your Jerusalem? Now listen, the mount is all Jerusalem today. We all sit in here, right? But what is your Jerusalem? It's your family. It's your friends. It's your fellow workers. It's your fellow students at Clemson. Listen, you want to do world missions? Go hang out at Clemson, get a Coke, and start talking to people. The world is coming to Clemson. Amen? I mean, it is amazing. I picked up 12. I was working with a ministry uh, a couple of weeks ago called iFace. I had never heard of them, but they're partnering with a church I'm working at right now, and um, they have iFace. And so what they do is they go pick up international students, and they bring them in, and they have like a meeting for them. So I had, a, I had 11 Indian engineer students riding in my van. Gave me a chance to meet them and talk with them. Uh, you know, your world is coming to you here, but your Jerusalem is close. Who are you discipling? You say, Brother John, I'm not discipling anybody. Why not? Are you a believer in Christ? Do you love Jesus? you love Jesus you need to be discipling somebody you say well I'm a mother I'm a homeschool mom you know I don't get out the house much I got these few kids that I got to teach those are your disciples teach them well and also when you go to the co-op look for a mom look for another child to disciple you're a student at Clemson find you somebody that's that doesn't know Christ, find somebody that's really mature in Christ and hang out with both of them. Learn from one, bless the other. Hey, that's what you do. If you're working a job, look around. There's lost people all over the place. Now, you can't find any lost people in Greenville. I understand. Maybe in Clemson, but in Greenville, everybody's safe. I know that. But you'll be surprised. After you start talking to them a little bit, you find out they're not really safe. <laughs> you know, they don't even know Christ. Just start to, you know, hey, hey, you a Christian? Yeah, let's read the Bible together. All of a sudden, they, God just opens their eyes to the glory of Christ. That's what the Word does. And so I just want to encourage you, your family, your friends, your work. Listen, uh, Clemson, the public school system, your nursing home, your hospital, your prisons. Listen, be on mission wherever God puts a heart for you. Everybody's got a heart for different things. You know, just be on mission for wherever God's given you a heart for. Delight yourself. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hey, just delight yourself in the Lord, and you know what? God will open the door. The fuel for world missions is loving God and loving others. I just want to encourage you this morning. Listen. You say, Brother Johnny, he's a troublemaker. <laughs> he, he's come and he's stepped on my toes and he's not been nice to me. Listen, I love you. I love you in the Lord. But life is going quick. The Slough family, their life will never be the same. 
They didn't plan on him dying at 43. You may be a young person. You may be an older person. You may have never discipled anybody. God, if God has saved you, he has called you to be a disciple. Find somebody to disciple. And I promise you, you're going to have joy like I have joy because I've been able to disciple many people around the world. God wants you to do the same thing. He wants you to experience that joy of loving Jesus and loving others. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy and precious word. By it, we have life. Lord, we pray this morning that if I said anything that wasn't theologically or practically correct, that you would just erase it from the minds of the people here that it wasn't worthy. Lord, uh, for all pastor that's here who's faithful to the Word of God, if I've done anything wrong concerning that, that he would straighten it up. But Lord, I'm praying this morning that you would reach from heaven, you would touch the heart, you would inspire obedience today. That you would inspire this church to be on fire for making disciples. And Lord, that this church would grow in the numbers you wanted to grow as real disciples of Christ. And Lord, that the pastors would have the joy of knowing and loving their people and seeing their lives glorified Christ as they're held accountable by you in Hebrews 13. So Lord, let them do their work in joy. Let the people be full of joy. Let Christ be glorified in our lives. Let us love God and love others. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.